Titus chapter 3 in your Bible this morning. Titus chapter number 3. We will revisit the topic that we began last Sunday, or at least the statement of belief that says, it's printed there at the top of your notes on the back of your bulletin. I would encourage you to follow along. We believe... Hope you believe this. As a church, this is what we believe, but it's important you know what you believe and why you believe it. I'm going to show you that these beliefs come from the Bible. These aren't just Baptist beliefs. These are Bible beliefs. These are not James Knox beliefs. These are Bible beliefs. These are not Brother David beliefs. These are Bible beliefs, and the Bible is the Word of God. It's our final authority in all matters of faith and practice. And so we don't go to the Bible with what we believe. We go to the Bible to find out what to believe. And then if it says it in the Bible, then we need to believe it and practice it and and publish it and declare it. We believe salvation is available to all men by grace. That's the only way that it can possibly be to all men. By grace, through faith, in the finished work of Jesus Christ. The assumptions being... Um, The implications being all men need to be saved. All men can be saved. Jesus died for all men. Jesus will save anyone who will place their faith and their trust in him. So we believe salvation is available to all men by grace through faith in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. He, He did not say it is begun. He did not say it is started. We'll probably get there in our lesson today. He said it is finished when he died on the cross for our sins. He was buried and he rose again. And that salvation is apart from human works or merit of any kind. Now, last week we focused on that first section of the statement and the biblical truth that salvation is indeed available to all men. There is a teaching that denies the availability of salvation to every man. And that teaching is known as Calvinism, it's also known as Reformed Theology, it's also known as the doctrines of sovereign grace and something we need to be familiar with and have an understanding of. We absolutely believe that salvation is by the grace of God. We all need the grace of God in order to be saved, that, 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 that it has to be something God gives us. It's not something we work for. It's not something we earn. It's not something we merit, neither at the point of salvation nor throughout the Christian life. I, I didn't do anything to get saved. I don't do anything to stay saved. Everything that needed done, Jesus did it, and I trusted in him. And Calvinism is supposed to emphasize the importance of the grace of God, but it takes it to an unbiblical extreme where it says that in order for you to say someone has to make a choice of their own will to place their faith and their trust in Christ, well, now it has something to do with them, and that is taking away from the grace of God and the glory of God. That is an entirely unbiblical notion. The Bible does put the responsibility on the individual to make a choice, to make a decision that will determine the eternal destiny of their 
souls. The Bible doesn't teach a man is unable to respond to the gospel. The Bible presents this invitation. The grace of God that bringeth salvation appears to all men. Christ died for all men. God gave every man the measure of faith. Whosoever will may come. God's not willing that any should perish. We read all of these statements from the Word of God. God did not select some to be saved, but most to be lost. God wants His will, 1 Timothy 2 4, is that all should be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Sadly, there are so many who simply don't want the salvation that He offers. The condemnation, according to John chapter 3, is not because God pre selected men to condemnation, it's because they have not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Now this morning we shift to the second part of this statement and we're going to focus on the fact that salvation is available to all men by grace through faith, the finished work of Christ, apart from human works or merit of any kind. And this is this is as clear as anything could possibly be in the Word of God. Look at Titus chapter 3 and verse number 5 and the wording here is unmistakable. The Bible says in Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal Life. So Titus 3 includes both of these concepts. Mercy, that is God not giving us what we do deserve. And grace, God giving us what we do not deserve. And our salvation is completely dependent upon the mercy and the grace of God. And it is stated that it is not by works of righteousness we have done. This simply one of many such statements in the New Testament. I can't tell you how many conversations I have had with a Mormon or a Jehovah's Witness or some other religious person who is trusting some part of what they do or don't do as, as their hope of one day gaining heaven, I ask them, what do these words mean? What does the Bible mean when it says, not by works of righteousness we have done, if it doesn't mean not by works of righteousness we have done. Anybody with half a brain gets it, can understand it. It is so clear. And yet it is so confused and so confounded by religion, even religion that poses as Christian. Okay? So, so many denominations teach that your works, what you do, whether it's baptism, whether it's prayers, whether it's, uh, whether it's keeping the Ten Commandments, whether it's just some level imagined measuring stick of goodness, it's either part of gaining salvation or part of keeping salvation. There's really not much difference between the two, but the Bible makes it very clear, very certain. My salvation depends on what Jesus did. Nothing has nothing to do what I have or have not done. And I'm thankful for that because it gives me such confidence uh, that, I, that, that, that my salvation is secure, it's settled. Now, what I want to do this morning is give you four reasons from the Bible why it is 
that salvation cannot possibly have anything to do with our works. Why do we cover this uh, from the scripture? Um, it's not necessarily that I'm trying to convince you. I'm fairly confident that you're not here this morning thinking that you have to do something good to get to heaven. Now, if, if that is what you think, I do want to convince you. Um, I, am, I am confident, however, that at least the vast majority of you understand that our only hope of salvation, forgiveness, eternal life is what Jesus did for us. However, all of us are called to preach the gospel to every creature. All of us are called to be witnesses to the saving grace of God. We are supposed to be confronting people with their need for Jesus Christ and engaging in conversations about their hope of eternal life. And when you speak to people about the Savior, you will find that most of them think they are doing something good to get to heaven. Most people are trusting at least partly on themselves because that's what they've been taught. That's what they've heard. That's what they think. The devil has done a master, masterful job of deception. Religion's his greatest tool. But we need to be able to, Isaiah 118, reason with people and show them and explain to them why it cannot possibly have anything to do with you. It has everything to do with Jesus Christ. So I'm going to give you four reasons why it is that salvation is not by works. You can fill these in as we go take some notes uh, by the references that we turn to. Point number one, the fact that salvation is by the grace of God and not by works, it excludes boasting. It excludes boasting. What do we mean, what do we mean by that? Come with me to Ephesians chapter 2 and then we'll turn to Romans chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 2 and then Romans chapter 3. You could probably recite these verses in Ephesians chapter 2, but we'll turn and look at them anyway. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. In Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, the Bible says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. Again, couldn't be any more clear. I've held my Bible up on the street corner outside Temple Square in Salt Lake City and over and over repeated the question, what does the Bible mean when it says not by works? What does the Bible mean when it says not of works? I've not had one person even attempt to give me an answer consistent with Mormon theology, but the Bible says, by grace you saved through faith, not in yourselves, the gift of God, not of works, but here's the reason why, in verse 9, at the end of the verse, lest any man should boast. If you could get to heaven by attaining a certain level of goodness, if you could get to heaven by checking all of the right boxes, if you could get to heaven by religious performance, if you could get to heaven by outweighing your bad deeds with your good deeds, then you would be in heaven bragging on yourself for all the wonderful things you did to earn your place there inside the pearly gates. And God said, I'm not having it. 
Have you ever had a friend that had this tendency to try to convince you that they were as wonderful as they thought themselves to be? I mean, we all know someone who tends to brag on themselves, who tends to, I don't know, maybe exaggerate their accomplishments and their greatness And every conversation is about them and how wonderful they are and how incredible they are and how talented they are and all the amazing things that they have done. Uh, How many of you enjoy being around that kind of person? I didn't think so. It's really not a pleasant experience. You want to change a subject as quickly as you can. You want to get away from that person as quickly as you can. God, God doesn't enjoy it either. God is not impressed with us. We're impressed with us. We try to make other people impressed with us. God's not impressed. He's the creator of heaven and the earth. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He is the measure of all things. And he's not going to allow puny, pipsqueak, weak, frail dirt balls to brag on themselves in heaven. That's exactly what would happen if we got there by how good we are. Doesn't that make sense? That makes perfect sense. Very logical. Romans chapter 3 makes the same statement. Romans chapter 3. Let's all try to make sure we're not that person, right? Romans chapter 3. Verse number 27, Romans 3 and verse 27. Where is, we'll back up, um, verse 24, being justified. Verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What do we have to brag about? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely, freely by his grace. You didn't pay for it. It was free. You couldn't pay for it. That's why it's free. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Not in you, not in me, not in our church, not in our religion. It's in Christ. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness. You're not going to declare your righteousness. You're going to declare His righteousness, you see that? To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Such a wonderful phrase in the word of God. God declares us righteous, but he's just in doing so because the payment that Christ made on the cross for our sins satisfied the demands of his holiness. That's what the propitiation thing in verse 25 is all about. Okay, all of that said, verse 27 Where is boasting then? It is excluded. It's excluded. There is no boasting. By what law? Of works? Nay. But by the law of faith. Therefore, on this basis, therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Why do we come to that conclusion? Why is it that justification, God declaring sinful man to be righteous, why does that have to happen by faith and not by works? Because it excludes 
boasting. Because it means that all the glory goes to Jesus Christ. Because it means that we will declare His righteousness and not our own. We're not going to turn to Revelation 5 and Revelation 7. We're going to keep moving in the lesson this morning. But what those passages show us is what we actually do when we get to heaven. Every time we get a little glimpse at heavenly activity in the Word of God, the activity is always the same. The multitudes are thronging around one central point. It's the throne on the throne. It's not a pope. It's not a preacher. It's not a church. It is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And everybody in heaven is giving praise and honor and glory and worship and adoration to the only one who deserves the credit for any of us being there. When we get to heaven, we're going to brag on Jesus. We're not going to brag on ourselves. That's why salvation is not by works. Number two, you're in Romans 3. Turn over to Romans 4. It would violate the definition of grace. It would violate the definition of grace. What do we read? Titus 3, 5. Grace. What did it read? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Grace. What did we read? Romans 3. Salvation's by grace. We can turn to 20 more places in the New Testament this morning. Salvation is by the grace of God. What is grace? It is unmerited favor. It is, it is undeserved blessing. It is kindness and goodness that is showed, not earned, given. It's gift. Okay, Romans chapter 4 and verse number 4. Now to him that worketh, there's the word we're discussing. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. Some of you have a job. Some of you uh, have earned a paycheck before. You get to learn that little civics lesson about income taxes and all that happy stuff. But here's what happens. Uh, your employer hires you. They say, if you will work for us a certain number of hours, we will pay you a certain amount of money, this set amount per hour. And so you go to work all week, you clock in the beginning of the day, you clock out at the end of the day, you show up on time, you leave after your shift is done. And so you log a certain number of hours. Then at the end of the week or the end of two weeks, wherever it works, you get a paycheck. Now, when your employer gives you a paycheck, that's not a gift. You earned it. They're not being good to you. They're giving you what you deserve. Hopefully, you actually worked while you were on the clock and did what you were supposed to do and earned the money they're paying you. Assuming all of that, to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace. You don't say to the employer, oh, that was so gracious of you. You shouldn't have. You don't have to. No, that's why you went to work. So that at the end of the week, they would give you money. And they owe it to you because they agreed that if you work for them, that they would pay you. That's how that works. That's, that is not grace. That is debt. I mean, that, that makes really good sense. Verse number four of Romans four. Verse number five, but to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Okay? So salvation is not the employee-employer scenario. It's something completely different. If you could earn salvation, 
if you had to do something good to get saved, what that would mean is that God owes it to you. And that means it would not be grace. Let me, let me help you out this morning. God doesn't owe you anything. God will never owe you anything. But he wants to give you eternal life. Let's go to Romans chapter 11 and verse number 6. Romans 11 and verse number 6. And if by grace, 20 or more places in the New Testament, we could say it is by grace. Okay, built upon that. If by grace, that condition has been met. And if by grace, then is it no more of works. You see, most religions have this idea that it's part grace and part works. I mean, even the Book of Mormon states this explicitly. By grace are ye saved after all that ye can do. Like, God has to help you because you know you're not perfect, but you got to do all you can. And the, the fallacy there is, who has done all that they can do? Nobody can even define that, and nobody has met that requirement. But So there's this idea that it's, you know, whatever percent the grace of God, because we're not perfect, we're all sinners, but whatever percent, you know, we really got to try... Romans eleven six says, well, if it's grace, then it's not work. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. Like that, that just doesn't work. But if it be of works, then is it no more grace? Otherwise, work is no more work. You can't mix grace and works. It can't be 50% one and 50% the other. It has to be 100% one and 0% the other. Because if you make it grace, you can't add works to it. If you add works to it, it can't be grace. Because it violates the very definition. What's the definition? Unmerited favor. Make sense? Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. This concept shows up one more time. Galatians chapter 2. Let's read verse 16 and then verse 21. Galatians 2, in verse number 16, the Bible says, Knowing that a man is not justified, that word means declared righteous, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we, so since we know that, here's what we did. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Just one more of the many places the Bible makes it clear salvation is not by works. Why? Verse 21. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Okay? So we're going to make two points from that verse, but the first point is the first part of the verse. I do not frustrate the grace of God. We saw from Romans 4 and Romans 11 that if we try to add works to grace, then we're, we, we have destroyed the very meaning of what grace is. It would frustrate the grace of God to, to, to try to add my works to the works that Christ has done so that I could be saved, okay? But then point number three, same verse, 
Not only does salvation by grace exclude boasting, um, not, not only would salvation by works violate the very definition of grace, but if salvation were by works, it would render Christ's death unnecessary. It would render Christ's death unnecessary. What do we mean by that? Read the verse again. Galatians 2 verse 21 says, I do not frustrate the grace of God. Now, now listen to this. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Okay. If righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Think about this with me. If you could get to heaven by doing good works, why in the world would God send his son to die on a cross for the sin of all mankind? If you could earn your way to heaven, that was a complete waste of time. That was a stupid mistake. That is, they don't realize it. That's what people are saying. When they say, I've got to do something to get to heaven. There's a bumper sticker that asks the question this way. If you could earn it, then why did he die? There's no good answer to that question. If you could earn it, then why did Christ have to die on the cross? If righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. If I could get to heaven by being baptized, then why would Jesus need to die on the cross? If I could get to heaven by attending church 90% of the time, then why did Jesus have to die on the cross? See, the problem with all this is the Bible never defines what good works you have to do and how often you have to do them and how many times you have to do them in order to secure eternal life. That It just does not exist in the Word of God because it's not a thing. And the reason it's not a thing is because Jesus' death was necessary. And it was all that is necessary. Do you see how religion cheapens the sacrifice made by the Son of God on the cross? They're saying, yeah, it was nice that Jesus died, but it wasn't enough. There's something I have to do. Hebrews chapter 10 calls this doing despot to the Spirit of grace and tramping underfoot the blood of the Son of God and calling it an unholy thing. People don't realize how insulting it is to God to suggest that what Christ did on the cross was insufficient, that I really need to do something because what Jesus did wasn't enough. But that's what the idea of salvation by works, whether it's to get saved or to stay saved, that's what the idea of salvation by works says. Okay, Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. Salvation by works would render Christ's death unnecessary. It, it was not unnecessary. It was not a waste of time. It was not vain. That kind of talk comes from 1 Corinthians 1, says those who perish. Romans chapter 5. Verse number six, look at this phrase, for when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. When we were without strength, 
in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Do you know why Jesus had to die? Because we were without strength. There is nothing we could do to get ourselves out of the hole that we had dug by our sins. There is nothing we could do, no good thing we could do to atone for our crimes and offenses against God. No amount of good deeds would erase my transgressions of God's law. It, the reason Christ had to die is because we were without strength. The fact that Christ died is, is the obvious proof that nothing we can do could atone for our sins. For when we were without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Peradventure for a good man, someone even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Turn to John 19.31. We'll read this verse and move on to the next point. John 19 and verse number 31. Sorry, it's verse number 30. Correction, verse number 30. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. What was finished? The work the Father had sent him to do. Everything that needed to be done, everything that needed to be done so that we could be saved, Christ accomplished himself. There is nothing left for us to add. There is nothing left for us to do. It's finished. It's sufficient. One death for all time, for all men, is what Hebrews 10 tells us. Now, number four, come to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, almost all the way to Revelation there in the back of your Bible. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13. Here's why salvation is not by works. It excludes boasting. It would violate the very definition of the grace by which we are clearly saved. It would render Christ's death unnecessary. Number four, it would remove the possibility of eternal security. It would remove the possibility of eternal security. First John chapter 5 and verse number 13, another verse we should be familiar with. The Bible says, <clears throat> These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. And that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. So it's possible to be 100% sure. It is possible to have complete confidence in where you're going when you die. Not only is it possible, God wants you to know this. God wrote the Bible so that you could know this. These things have I written unto you that ye may know. Well, how can you know? The only way you can know you're saved if it is if it is based on what Christ has already done for you. Who can know they have eternal life? Those who believe on the name of the Son of God. If salvation depends on what you do or can't do, there's no way you can know that you're saved. Here's why. A couple reasons. First of all, because the Bible never defines what it is you would have to do. 
witness to a Jehovah's Witness, and I always challenge them, show me in the Bible how I can know I'm entering the kingdom. The only answer is the new birth in John chapter 3. They'll show me I've got to follow everything Jesus said. I say, that's fine. I see that in the Bible. It doesn't say I'll know I have eternal life if I do that. There, because there is never this definition given to how many good works you have to do. So, so that's one reason why you can't know you have eternal life if salvation is by works, because the Bible never says what works it has to be. Here's the second reason. Because if salvation is by works, I don't know what I'm going to do or not do tomorrow. And you don't know what you're going to do or not do tomorrow. If I have to earn salvation or having earned salvation, I can mess up my salvation, then there's always that possibility. And I can never know if I'm going to make it or not. Because I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know what I'm going to think. But I can know I have eternal life because it's not dependent on me. It is, it is completely dependent on what Christ has done. Come to John chapter 10. We'll read these verses again. Eternal security. What a, what a wonderful doctrine. Not to give us liberty and license to sin, but to give us freedom and liberty in Jesus Christ and to cause us to love him and want to serve him and want to obey him. John chapter 10, verse number 27. The Bible very clearly teaches eternal security. We can know we have eternal life. And the only way that works is if salvation is by grace and not by our works. John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. They follow me and I give, I give, I give. That's grace. I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish, neither shall a man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all. No man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Now, again, the keeping is done not by us. The keeping is done by Christ. It's all dependent on his works, not dependent on ours. Salvation is not by works because it excludes boasting. That's a blessing. It would violate the very definition of grace by which we are clearly saved. It would render Christ's death unnecessary. That is so insulting to the Son of God. It would remove the possibility of eternal security. I'm glad this morning I know, I know that I know that I know that I have a home in heaven. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, sure do thank you for your goodness to us, Lord, very clearly laying these things out in the Bible. Help us to witness to others. And Lord, when we witness to others, help us to be able to show them from your word why it is that they cannot trust themselves as any part of their hope of salvation and eternal life. Thank you for what Christ has done. And help us, Lord, give us power, strength, courage, boldness uh, to proclaim the saving gospel of our Savior and your Son. In his name we pray. Amen.